Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God. The God who saves me and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth would declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So ends the reading of God's word, and you may be seated, please. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to have Mary here this morning. She spent a few days at the hospital with her heart and doing all kinds of interesting things. So she's doing well right now, so we're glad to have her. We're glad to have Scott back. Scott and uh, Sarah were on vacation. And uh, isn't it good to have both of them here today? Yay. I like that. You know, a couple things uh, just for your information. Ed Hepner. Um, is being placed on hospice, and so be praying for him and his wife and uh, their family. If you don't know them, um, he was a missionary pastor and 93 years of age, and they've just been coming for the last oh, year or so. Um, also, Oren Williams uh, had had a minor stroke, and he's doing well. He's uh, home, and he was here in church today, so that was good. Larry Paxton uh, may have a tumor on his brain. So uh, they need to be testing more to find out exactly what that is. So be praying for them. Also, Blue Milani, who you probably don't know, uh, is in intensive care at Good Sam. So uh, lots of prayers for us. It's been a very, very busy week. The good news is some of you have asked to see some wedding pictures. And since you're all captive here and can't get out, we're going to look at wedding pictures. That's the rest of the sermon, by the way. See, I, I'm preaching on, or I was going to preach on guilt today, but I figured I'll just show you pictures and not feel guilty about it. No, I, I will be preaching. Since some of you have asked, that we'll only show you four pictures. Marsha's putting together some pictures. You can see her later, you know, and look at pictures then. But, but let me show you four, four of the pictures. There's our daughter, Kristen, and uh, obviously that's her wedding dress. 
They still have not told me how much that wedding dress cost. Don't go so fast, I'm not done talking about these. <laughs> and I do not want to know how much the wedding dress cost. Okay, now, that is the wedding family. That is her husband now, Chris, Lee, and of course, Marsha and myself, and Kristen, and you can see the place where they had the, the service done. This is the back part of it. They also did a wedding in the front part of it, so it was a very busy location that day. Okay, next. There I am, and you can see my green flip-flops there. The green tie, the green flip-flops, all of the bridesmaids had that colored green dress on. And uh, I found out later the flip-flops are for dancing, but for her bridesmaids, they didn't tell me that ahead. So I just got in the swing of it, took off my uncomfortable shoes, and put flip-flops on. And then the last one, Kristen and her dad. So that's it. Thanks. You know, this morning we, we come to fulfill part of the series on what difference does Christ make in our lives. And as we look this morning, we're going to look at this whole idea of guilt. I, I, I do find it rather humorous. I didn't see this for service, but they pointed it out to me. I, I talked about finally having this over and that it was done and the daughter's out now. And, and then they put up the title of the sermon, I Am Free. And uh, that's rather fitting, I think. Although they tell me I really am not free, but we'll believe that while we can. This morning we look at Psalm 51, and in Psalm 51 we have the Psalm of David, and if you saw the first part of it, you can understand about David and what he was going through. And in this Psalm he talks about his feelings, what was going on in his heart uh, after this affair that he had with Bathsheba. And Notice that very first part, not the first verse, but it's a part of the introductory to that uh, Psalm 51. It says, For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And, you know, you look at this and you wonder, do we have Nathans around? And, and really the question is, would we even want Nathan a person like Nathan around. And with Nathan here, it was almost like his, his uh, watchdog, you know, the guard over him. And how would you like a friend to come up to you and, and say, Jeanette, you know, I know all about you. And, uh, you know, of course, Jeanette would never do anything wrong, so I couldn't do that to her. But, you know, do you have a Nathan? Do you have somebody that uh, holds you accountable, that comes alongside of you to say to you, you know, are you sure that you should be doing whatever it is? Are you sure you should be thinking about these kind of things? Or, or don't you think maybe you should be doing whatever? Well, this is what David had. And David may have thought he was getting away with something. And how would you like this? You, you commit a sin and you think, okay, if I can just keep this quiet now, I'm not going to tell anybody. Nobody's going to know about it and then all will be fine. And then you get a knock on the door. And a Nathan comes and says, um, by the way, David, don't you think you ought to be uh, kind of doing something about what you've already just done? How would you like a Nathan in your life? It isn't always something that we would want, I think, but, and yet, 
how beautiful it is that David had a Nathan. And how beautiful it would be that we would have a Nathan in our life that could point out to us where maybe we're missing the boat, where, where we've stumbled and where we need to be. And so as we look at this passage, we have this, this heartfelt prayer given by David that lets us see inside of him. And this morning as we look at this whole idea of guilt, we see David who is feeling very guilty and yet through this guilt there is hope. And I want to look at this hope that is here this morning. Let me suggest three or four things. And as I suggest these things, maybe it touches our lives where we're at. And, and I admit, you know, maybe you are out there and there's a life that you've been lived and it's been wonderful and, and there's nothing in your life that you feel guilty about. Well, the good news is you probably don't need to listen to the message. Although, the bad news is you probably need to in case you do something that you're going to feel guilty about. Okay, everybody with me on that? And so, here we come. And first of all, when we find ourselves under guilt, you know, we'll do anything to try to get out from that. And we make excuses sometimes about it. We blame other people about it. But, but it just always is there. And so the question is, what can we do if we are under the burden of guilt because of something that we have done or maybe something that we did not do? David here realizes that through his own power, he can do nothing about that. But it is through the power of God that something can be done. And so to begin with, our hope for forgiveness lies in the character of God. Now, now, what do I mean by that? What does it mean? Well, understand that it's nothing that we might do. It's nothing that we've done. It's nothing that we're doing right now that will get us away from that guilt. We do not have the strength, the power within us to remove us from guilt. Some of you know that. Some of you have been dealing with guilt for a long time and it just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back and you're not able to deal with it. Well, David realizes that it isn't through his own power, but it's through the power of God and this is the difference it makes that we are a Christian. In this whole realm of guilt or this whole realm of sin that we can come to God and we can take care of what is there so let's look at this the character of God look at verse 1 by the way and and if you have your Bibles open them up I hope you will follow along here if you haven't brought your Bible bring your Bible on Sunday mornings you know some wonderful things are there and you might want to underline something that is there take notes in your Bible and, and that's more than than perfect so go ahead and and look at Psalm 51 and notice first of all David pleads for God's graciousness he says have mercy on me do you believe God is a merciful God well yeah he is and this is part of his character he is a God who is merciful who cares about us does he like sin no, he doesn't like sin. Does he like us living a life of guilt? No, he doesn't like that. And yet, he loves us so much that he wants to provide a way out from that sin, out from the guilt that we might be holding. 
So there's this tenderness of affection. And, and he pours out on us even though, you know, we have sinned. He comes and he takes care of us because he knows that there's no way that we can earn what he has given us. If you have your Bibles open, turn to Psalm 130. We'll take you to a couple of these places that are easy to find. And in Psalm 130, verses 13 through 15. Sorry, verses 3 and 4. It says, yeah, I look there and it says, there's no 13 or 14 there. So 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are to be feared. You see, aren't you glad God does not keep a record of sins? For those who are saved, for those through Christ have sought him and sought that forgiveness, God is gracious. And so just as David comes and says, have mercy on me, we can come and ask God the same thing. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Look at us, Lord, and have your mercy upon us. So there's God's graciousness, but also we see that he prays and pleads for God's loving kindness. Look at the second part of verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. So what is this kindness? Well, it's his great love in action. It's him stepping in when we don't deserve it. It's him taking on the sin, the guilt that really is ours because he loves us. And, and this is what David's resting his case on. I mean, he's pleading with God and said, God, remember, remember the love that you have and, and show mercy on me and, and love me. I don't deserve it, but love me. You know, if you're feeling guilt in your life right now or if you're suffering from some sin that you're just holding on to, Understand that God loves you so much and he wants to help you get away from that guilt to remove that sin. So we have God's graciousness. We have God's loving kindness. The third thing is God's compassion. And look at the third part of verse 1. So he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. God has compassion for us. He has a, what I might call a sense of pity for us. He knows that we can't do anything about it, so he comes in with the compassion that he has. You see, he hates sin, and yet he still loves us so much that his heart breaks for us. He has that compassion for us. Turn to Psalm 103. I, I want you to see. 103. And verses 13 through 15. Listen to his words. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And fear is not being an afraid type of fear, but being an awe type of fear. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the fields. You see, it is God who has formed us, 
who knows us. He knows that we can't be what he would like us to be. And yet through his love, through his graciousness, through the compassion that he has, we can reach that height. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I shall say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. You see, there is that compassion for us. The compassion that we don't deserve. And yet, it is there. So how do we do this? How do we take care of the guilt that we might be experiencing? It is understanding the character of God. What does God bring to the table? We bring a lot to the table. The only problem is it's not good. But what God brings to the table is that, that graciousness, is that loving kindness, is that compassion. So, okay, we got that down. God is good. God has a lot to offer. Now... This also talks in this passage in Psalms 51 about the repentance that is there. And it's all about repentance. Repentance means having a broken heart over sin. You know, I can't help you. And God can't even help you if you don't have that broken heart over sin. If you find yourself sinning and say, I really like this, let's keep doing it. Do you think God is going to be compassionate? you think he's going to show his graciousness and his kindness, his love for you when you're saying, hey, let it come, I like this. No, what he calls us to do is to be brokenhearted over what we do. To come to that point where we, where we admit and we have that broken heart. You know, notice what David did not do here. And by the way, what he did not do here, we tend to do all the time when we sin, when we, when we take on the guilt. Notice David did not attempt to justify what went on. He could have said, you know, Lord, it was really a bad night. I mean, it was a bad hair day for me and I wasn't feeling good. And, and wow, there was this beautiful woman. And then you know what we do sometimes? We blame others. Speaking of that beautiful woman, she was out there taking a bath there on the roof. What more could I have done? I mean, I, I just saw her and it's all her fault. Remember, it's all the woman's fault. See, he didn't do any of that. He didn't blame somebody else here. He didn't justify why he did it. But he came to God with that broken and contrite heart. Look at verses 16 and 17 of that passage. For he, David says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Wow. What does God want from us? Excuses? Pointing the finger? Justification? Not at all. He wants that broken and contrite heart. That is what he's looking for. That is what delights him. 
That is the sacrifice that he wants. You know, if you've had children, and of course your children never have done anything wrong, but our child did sometimes, and wouldn't you much prefer that even when they did something wrong that they would come and share it with you? I mean, just like Scruffy here, on my carpet yet. But isn't your heart more open if your child comes to say, Mom, Dad, I did something I shouldn't have done. Or Mom and Dad, I should have done this, but I didn't. Or Mom or Dad, you know that lamp that you really liked? I broke it. You know, would you be upset? Well, probably. And yet, wouldn't you be glad that they came to you and shared with you? That they had that contrite heart for what they had done? I know my heart would open more to somebody who comes that way. And I would say, well, okay, you know, that's not good. And by the way, you're going to have to raise some money to pay for it. But, you know, I forgive you. Let's go on from here. You know, David comes with that kind of heart. He doesn't try to justify. He doesn't try to make excuses. He comes and says, I did it. He came with that attitude of shame and humility. Wow. Look at verse 3. For he says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It wasn't, hey, I'm perfect. It was just a one-time mistake. He says, hey, I know my transgressions. I know what I did wrong. I come to you with that heart. Thank you. So look at this. And, and look how sin can damage a life. Let me suggest some things that go on here. One is when we hold sin, when, when we hold something like guilt about something that we did, well, one, it shuts off our fellowship with God. You know, that's what sin does. It can separate us from God in that way. It can turn into habits that rob us of our joy. You know, we keep sinning, we keep doing it, and pretty soon it just becomes natural to us, and, and we've pushed away the guilt part of it. I mean, you could do that. The only problem is, is it becomes a part of you then, and it robs us of our joy. Third, it hurts God deeply. He doesn't like to see us sin. He doesn't like to see us continue to sin. It can keep us from growing stronger in Christ. It can destroy our relationship with other people. You know, have you noticed how sometimes when people do something really wrong, they stop coming to church? Have you noticed that? And what happens there is it separates them from God, and it separates them from those people who will love them. We should anyway will take them into our arms. It separates us from other people. And then it can leave us frustrated and defeated. Well, yeah, because we think that we're no good because we do that. And finally, it can ruin our witness for Christ. And yet, look at verse 5 here in Psalm 51. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So 
David comes out with a contrite heart. He talks about his transgressions. He talks about even from birth. You know, he had this sinful nature. Not making excuses, but admitting that he needs help here. So let's look more at this idea of repentance. Repentance means confession to God that we have sinned. You know, once David became aware of the awfulness of this sin, he became broken and contrite. Look at verse 4. For here in verse 4, he says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. He confesses to God that he has done wrong, that God is right. No excuses just an attitude of brokenness and he says basically I have sinned do you remember when the children of Israel sinned against God let me turn to Jeremiah chapter 3 and and listen to these verses starting with verse 12 for it says, Go proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Return, faithless people declares the Lord. That's what repentance is all about. Coming back to God. Having that broken heart, that broken spirit. So repentance means confession to God. It also means turning from the wrong we have done. Look at verses 10 through 15. Look at David's desire to do that kind of thing. For in verse 10 he says, creating me a pure heart. See, he wants to turn from the wrong. He wants to be different. Sometimes we don't feel that way, do we? Sometimes we want to continue in what we're doing. David says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. There's that change he wants. Do not cast me from your presence. I, I still want to be with you, God. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, his heart is there. It's broken, but it's broken for God. He wants to be with God. You know, we need to look and see what our sin is and what it causes. And that's part of that repentance. Do you realize sin is deadly and destroying and disgusting? and heartbreaking to God. So the Bible sums up what repentance is in Proverbs 28, 13. Let me read that verse to you. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Is that what you want? Is that what you want from your guilt, from the sin that you might have in your life? You know, God tells us what to do. You know, confess, repent, and then God will take care of that. Okay, so let's look at a couple of 
things that God will do here. And the first one is what God will do with our sin, with the guilt that we might have. And this is what he will do with the repentant person, you know, the sins for the repentant person. Look at the last part of verse 1. You know, we've talked about, you know, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. But look at that next part. Blot out my transgressions. So, what's your favorite paper towel? Is it bounty? Is it, I know, the cheapest one the store sells, right? But isn't it bounty that talks about blotting you know, all of that kind of thing. By the way, with, with our little friend here, you know, and what he did to my carpet. You know, I, I used to have a dog, and I, I know that when that happened, there's this spray stuff, and you spray it on the spot, and then you're supposed to take a, a clean rag or towel or something. What are you supposed to do then? Blot. Don't rub, but Blot. You know, the nice thing is, is this is what God tells us that he will do. That he will blot out that sin. That he will blot out that guilt. And, and that's good news. Because that takes it up. That removes it. So when God talks about this, you know, he's going to take care of it. God wiped David's slate completely clean so that he would never be charged with that sin again. Oh, do we look back in the Bible? Oh, David, look what you did. Well, we do. But in the sight of God, David was clean. Do you remember what God said about David, about the kind of man he was? A man after my own heart. Yeah, see, how could it be that when he did this with Bathsheba? Because it was blotted out. It was removed. It was cleaned up. And all of this took place because he hung that on the cross that Jesus was on. Do you realize that? That we as Christians, the advantage of being a Christian is that we can have the sin in our life blotted out. Look at verses 13 and 14 here in Psalm 51. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. You see, it's not us that did it. It is God who saves us. So a couple other passages. One is in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22. Listen to these words. Pay attention because I'm going to quiz you on this. I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. What two things does God do for us there? I have, what did it say? I have wiped out your transgressions. You know, it's like spilling something on, on your kitchen floor. You wipe that up. It's gone. I've wiped out your transgressions. It's no longer there. But what does the last part of that verse say? It says, return to me. That's our part. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. I have paid the price for you. 
When I was a kid, I used to collect bottles and take them into the store. I would redeem them for money. God paid the price for us through Jesus. See, that's great news. But wait, there's even better news. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25 says, I, yes, I alone am he who blots away your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Okay, what two things are there that he does? He does what? He blots away our sins. We know about that. Blot, blot, blot. They're gone. But the last part is even better. What does he say then? He's never going to come back to him. He's never going to remember. He's never going to see him again. And we'll never think of them again. And we can go to somebody and say, or somebody can come up to us and say, Oh, you did that. Shame on you. Don't you feel bad about that? And you can say, I feel bad about that. But God has blotted them out. And he's never going to bring them up again. You might bring them up, but God will never bring them up. You might make me feel bad, but God will never make me feel bad. And if God, if I'm right with him, then it doesn't matter what you think. Because we've taken care of it. Somebody but that's not fair. Do you know what somebody did to me? You know, God is a great God, and he'll show the same love for that person as you want him to show for you. We need that, don't we? Except we don't always think that way. We think about what the other deserves. We never want to think about what we deserve. God is fair. He blots it out. He never brings it up again. By the way, that's not really like a husband or a wife, is it? Any of you wives ever remind your husbands of things that they've done in the past? Any of you husbands ever do that to your wife? Yeah. God doesn't do that. He's blotted it out. It is gone. It is gone. And we stand before God someday and he looks and says, wow. Wow, that looks like a pretty good record there. And you might say, oh, wait, wait. Don't you remember when? No, I don't. Did you do that? I don't. By the way, you remember when I talked to you about speeding and how those cameras get you and so on? You remember that? Do you realize that doesn't go on your insurance? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Same way with God. You know, the sin is there, but it's blotted out. Do you pay a price for the sin? Did I pay a price for my speed? Yes, but it's gone. Now I'll just wipe it from your memories, and it's really gone. See, that's what God will do with our sin. He washes it. He cleanses it. I mean, look at verse 2. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Look at verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Remember Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be what? As white as snow. Then it says, although they be red as crimson, they will be like 
wool. Very good. Very good. You see, you see, sin and guilt are a deep, penetrating pollution that soaks into the fiber of our soul. You know, you, you know that I, I exercise sometimes. And when I exercise, for some reason, my shirts begin to not smell good. You ever had that problem? And sometimes I like to wear shirts more than one time, unless my wife catches me. And, and sometimes we will even wash those shirts, and they still smell. You know, that sweat somehow just pervades the whole thing. And even though you try to get it out, even though you scrub it, sometimes that smell is still there. This is what sin and guilt is like. It, it, it just penetrates into the fiber of our soul. And yet what God does is he comes and, and he begins to purify layer after layer after layer. Once we've truly confessed our sin to him, God will refuse to look at our sins anymore. Well, look at verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. So confess, they're gone. So the nice thing about this is that God looks at us through the moral purity of his son Jesus. That's the advantage of being a Christian. Okay, one last thing here. And what did we just talk about? What was the, the main point of what we just said? Yeah, we were looking at what God can do and what he can do with the sin. Let's look now at what, what God can do with the person, with the sinner. And, and this is good stuff. And, and the nice thing is, is that a person that has confessed their sin needs to realize that their life is not ruined. You made a mistake? Okay, you made a mistake. But your life is not ruined. David made a mistake. Was his life ruined? Well, there were some hard things. He had some penalties he paid, didn't he? And yet, God still was able to use him. Look at, look at verse 8, what David's desire was. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. You see, he wanted that joy and that, that goodness to come back. You see, God can and will replace every emotional pain that we have suffered. That joy and that gladness is still available to us. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, the words, Come, let us return to the Lord. It is He who has torn us. He will heal us. He is wounded. He will bind us up when we confess because of his love for us, because of him choosing us, God will make us anew. So God will give back our joy. We also see in verse 10 that God will give the repentant sinner a new attitude. Creating me a pure heart, O oh God, 
and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He will redo us. He will change us. He will give us that complete makeover so that we may walk pleasing to him. That's what David desired. That's what David wanted, that new attitude. And finally here, God will give the repentant sinner a ministry for God's work. Was God able to use David after this incident with Bathsheba? Yeah, he was. Do you realize that a lot of the Psalms that we have here were written by David after this situation? After what took place? Listen to the words here in verses 12 and 13. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, that God who saves me and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. David was still used. In spite of the error, in spite of the mistake, in spite of the guilt. Isn't that good? It's the same God that works with us that worked with David. And this is the difference that it makes with us being a Christian. So why the title of this? You don't have to hold on to the guilt in your life because God has taken care of that. If you hold on to it, it's your choice, but you don't need to. Do you like the guilt in your life? Do you like the sin in your life? Hey, if you're holding on to it, it's only because of you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for loving us enough to put up with us. Thank you for making it possible, Lord, that we can come to you in spite of the things that we have done and be free. Lord, I, I know that when we sin, when we feel that guilt, that, that yeah, sometimes we had to pay penalties for that which we do. And yet, Lord, I know that you can wipe away that guilt from who we are. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have the ushers now come and receive the offering. That's all I can hold on to I gotta say this has making me Lots of time But nothing surprises you Before a heartache Can never touch my life It has to go through your hands And even though I I keep asking why I keep asking why no matter what, I'm gonna love you No matter what, I'm gonna need you I know that you can find a way to keep me from the pain But if not, if not, I'll trust you No matter what, no matter what 
nothing else by myself I'm just sitting in silence There's no way I could make it without your help I won't even try it I know you have your reasons for everything So I will keep believing whatever I might be feeling Lord, you are my hope, and you'll be my strength. No matter what, I'm gonna love you. No matter what, I'm gonna need you. I know that you can find a way to keep me from the pain. But if not, if not, I'll trust you. No matter what, no matter, no matter what, no matter what, no matter, no matter what, anything I don't have, you can give it to me, but it's okay if you don't. I'm not here for those things, the touch of your love is enough on its So do you believe that, no matter what, that God is there for you? Some of you aren't sure of that. And that's what the whole Christian life is about. You know, oh, it's about a lot more than that, but it is about letting go of those things and trusting God. Let me see if I can give you an example. I was looking for a box or something there, but not, but this will work fine. You know, oh, wow. You know, you each day, you decide whether you want to put on the guilt you feel, the sins that you're wallowing in, or not. You can decide to take the guilt with you wherever you go, and every time you need a little shot of guilt, okay, good, I really feel bad now. Or the sin, oh, oh yeah, I did that. Oh, I really feel bad now. You get to decide whether you're going to pick up that guilt or that sin or whether you're going to leave it and get rid of it. Because we already know God's part of it. We already know that he blots it out, that he forgets it, he removes it, he never goes back to it. The point is, can we do the same? And that is up to you. Bob Newhart, you know, did one of these series, you know, one of his shows, and part of it was a a part where he was a, a psychiatrist, a, some kind of counselor. And this woman comes in and, 
And uh, she sits down and he says to her something like, uh, you know, I can help you. I, I don't charge. I only charge a little bit by the minute. And, and you should only need a minute or so. In fact, I think I can help you with uh, uh, two words. She says, well, well, that's great, but, but well, what's your problem? And so she says it, and he says, well, do you really want to, to do that? Well, no. And so he says, well, stop it. <laughs> stop it? Yeah, stop it. Stop it? What don't you understand about stop it? You don't want to do it? Don't do it. Stop it. Oh, but then, but, wait, 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 wait. What don't you understand here? Stop it. And, and I guess that's my advice to us. And I'm doing this while you are so healthy and comfortable here. Rather than when you're falling apart, I wouldn't be so bad and tell you to stop it at that point. But since you're doing really well right now, you choose whether you want to carry that guilt. You choose whether you want to wallow in the sin. God's taken care of it. So stop it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. <laughs> wow. Lord, give us, give us the desire to stop it. We know it's not pleasing to you. We know you've taken care of it. But Lord, we still wallow. Help us, Lord. And we're so grateful that you care. And we're so grateful you continue to put up with us. Next time we start feeling guilty about something, next time we start wallowing in that sin or that pity, may we remember those words. Stop it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There'll be people to pray with you in front if you'd like. Have a great day.